At City of Hope, its innovative treatments for cancer and groundbreaking research have saved millions of lives all over the world. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. Every year, more than 60,000 women in the United States are diagnosed with endometrial and uterine cancer. My guest today is Dr. Thon Dellinger. She's an assistant professor in the Division of Gynecologic Surgery in the Department of Surgery, as well as a gynecological oncologist at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dellinger. What's going on today with endometrial uterine cancer? Are we seeing more or less? Thank you, Melanie, for having me on the show. I'm very pleased to talk about this. This is actually a very interesting uh, research project of mine. And, you know, interestingly, endometrial cancer, which is synonymous with uterine cancer, by the way, uh, is actually rising in incidence. And um, compared to other cancers, actually, it's also the mortality is rising. It's very, very difficult to treat endometrial cancer once it's recurred or at advanced stage. And, and that is probably the reason why um, the, the mortality is, is increased. So what are some of the risk factors for uterine cancer? Uh, what might somebody have that would predispose them to this type of cancer? Yeah, so uterine cancer, unfortunately, uh, has predispositions in those who have um, more estrogen. And, for example, uh, patients who are obese or overweight have an increased risk for developing uterine cancer. And um, those who take, for example, tamoxifen, what we call unopposed estrogen, um, other patients may have a genetic or hereditary risk, such as Lynch syndrome, which uh, increases your risk for colon cancer and uterine cancer. And, and those are typically the risk factors for endometrial cancer. So... Are there any screening tests for uterine cancer? People hear about pap smears. They hear about ovarian cancer being this silent cancer. So what are we doing in terms of screening? Right. So unfortunately, there isn't currently any screening for uterine cancer. So unlike cervical cancer, which is screened with a pap smear, the pap smear typically does not detect endometrial cancer. And um, ovarian cancer, on the other hand, like you mentioned, is a silent disease. Fortunately, uterine cancer is not a silent disease. Most women who develop uterine cancer have vaginal bleeding that is abnormal. Either you've already undergone menopause and now you're having bleeding out of the sun, or you're premenopause, meaning you have not undergone uh, menopause, but you have more bleeding than usual or irregular bleeding. And those are always warning signs and should definitely result in you seeing the doctor and then getting worked up for that. And what would be the workup if somebody was having abnormal amount of bleeding and they're in perimenopause or, and are you talking about bleeding when it's not actually your period or just a large amount of bleeding during perimenopause or while you're entering menopause? Right. Actually, both. Both of these, however it is abnormal, whether it's irregular outside of your period or whether it's more than usual, that really should what we call an office endometrial biopsy. So the patient comes in as if they're coming for a pap smear. We do a speculum exam, a pelvic exam. But that, as part of this, um, a small endometrial pipel, a straw, is placed inside the uterine cavity through the cervix uh, during the vaginal exam. It takes about five minutes or so. There's a little bit of cramping involved, but most patients tolerate it very well, and it's a very easy office procedure that can then tell you whether there's evidence of pre-cancer or endometrial cancer. And would you see this on ultrasound as well? 
Right. So the pelvic ultrasound is another way, um, part of the workup for this. And the ultrasound actually will tell you whether there's a thickened endometrial lining. So the inner lining of the uterus is thickened in women frequently when they have endometrial cancer. But bear in mind that in younger women, in premenopausal females, the lining is thickened because you undergo periods and have the usual menstrual cycle. So it's not as telling in a premenopausal lady, but in a, in a postmenopausal female, certainly a thickened lining is, is a warning sign. If a woman is diagnosed, and hopefully you've caught it early enough based on these symptoms, what are some of the treatment options available? Right. And so, fortunately, most women with endometrial cancer are diagnosed with with stage 1 disease, and those women, most of the time, are cured. Um, They can be cured with a simple hysterectomy, and most frequently, we are able to do what we call a robotic-assisted or laparoscopic surgery, a minimally invasive approach, um, which is surgery through small skin scissions, which reduces the post-optic pain and the hospitalization. And during this surgery, we remove the entire uterus and the cervix, and, and most of the time, most ovaries and tubes. That is part of the staging. Sometimes, we uh, also remove uh, some of the local lymph the lymph nodes that surround the uterus and the ovaries and a little bit high up in the abdomen. And, and those, those are part of what we call a staging procedure, where we want to ensure that the lymph nodes are not affected by metastatic disease. And that would then tell us whether the patient would require more therapy, such as chemotherapy or radiation. And does that happen very frequently where they might need chemotherapy and radiation in addition to the minimally invasive surgeries? Right. So most of the time they don't. Um, like I said, um, the vast majority of patients are treated and are diagnosed as stage 1 endometrial cancer and they're cured with the hysterectomy and removal of the ovaries alone. Um, a small percentage of patients have what we call then stage 3 disease, where the lymph nodes are involved or the ovaries are involved, and they do unfortunately require the chemo and the radiation. And what about hormone therapy? Or does someone, you mentioned tamoxifen earlier, is there anything that women have to do after the treatments or continue with as sort of an additional adjunct treatment? Right. So that's an excellent question because, uh, like I mentioned, uh, endometrial cancer is a frequently estrogen-responsive cancer. So um, I mentioned that hysterectomy is a oftentimes curative uh, treatment option. But in women who are still young and desire to have the fertility spared, um, or in those women who have what we call endometrial precancer, there is potentially an option to use progesterone. Um, so this is a hormone that people oftentimes take. It's part of an oral contraceptive pill. But in women with um, a thickened endometrial lining and precancer or very early stage endometrial cancer, they may be candidates for progesterone treatment. And that can either be given as an oral tablet or it can be given as an IUD, an intrauterine device inside the uterus that has the uh, progesterone that then gets released from this device. Um, it, I, I do need to um, be very careful in saying that it's a treatment for endometrial cancer because um, it really is only for very, very early stage endometrial cancer and women who desire facilitating treatment. Tell us what's going on exciting at City of Hope in the field of endometrial cancer. What are you doing there? 
Right. So um, for endometrial cancer, we um, use the robotic-assisted laparoscopic surgery, which is um, now the norm for um, uterine cancer. Um, we also use fentanyl pelvic lymph nodes um, biopsy as part of um, the staging procedure in early-stage endometrial cancer, and that avoids the full lymph node dissection for um, the staging procedures as, so as to avoid any lymphedema. Lymphedema is swelling in the legs that can occur when you remove a lot of the local lymph nodes in the pelvis. And so sentinel lymph node biopsies are a nice way of um, avoiding some of the lymphedema. Um, some other things that we're doing at City of Hope um, are trying to develop novel therapy um, for those patients who unfortunately have advanced stage disease, such as um, uh, recurrent disease or, or, or those who have failed chemotherapy. Um, and we're trying to specifically develop personalized target therapies that are immunotherapies, so uh, antibodies that can recognize the specific antibody that is um, expressed in high-risk individual cancers. Uh, this particular protein is called L1-CAM. And we're, we're, we're trying to develop antibodies that recognize that, but also that are very specialized in such a way that they can then also elicit T-cells, uh, which is part of the immune response, and then allow your body to fight this cancer with your own immune host response. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Dellinger, with your best advice for people, for women, about taking charge of their own bodies and the being their best health advocate in regards to endometrial cancer and what you want them to really be aware of. Right. So there are really two things. One is over, being overweight and obesity are really probably the two biggest risk factors for endometrial cancer. So um, exercising and losing weight are great ways of um, preventing endometrial cancer. And the second thing is um, being aware of any abnormal uterine bleeding. So if your menstrual cycles are abnormal, and you, especially if you're overweight or if you're menopausal and you have uh, bleeding again, that's not something that should wait. It should be evaluated by a gynecologist. Thank you so much for being with us. It's really great information. You're listening to City of Hope Radio. And for more information, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.